0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. If you do uh, have your Bibles, if you brought them tonight, today, what is today? Today, I'm going to be speaking from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm going to start in 5, but we're going to go into 6 as well. Galatians chapter 5 and chapter 6. And I want to talk to you about the seeds of revival. Revival is a big theme of who we are as a church. Because we believe that it's not just about becoming a Christian, praying a prayer, going to church a couple times and getting to heaven when you die. The Bible tells us that we can have streams of living water flowing from us a continual stream. And sometimes that stream gets blocked and we've got to uncork it. The problem is never the source. The problem is that something is blocking the flow. And so revival is the process of confession and repentance and of forgiveness that keeps the flow happening in us and from us so that we are flowing with the Holy Spirit and we have something to give to others. And we want revival to be continuous. That's why one of the books we give out here is one called Continuous Revival that talks a little bit about that. I don't know if we have any copies today, but um, we do. So if you want one of those, we'll hand it to you. We just love giving books out. Um, but that's a great resource to be able to, to, to read. But I want to talk to you about the seeds of, the, of revival. And in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to look in verse 16. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Some of your Bibles may say, or the flesh desires what is contrary to Spirit. So the flesh, the sinful nature, that's just the part of our of our nature that is not yet redeemed. It's It's our flesh. It's our mind that is not renewed by the Spirit of God. It's You get where I'm going. So the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. And then it talks about these acts of the sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the rest of your Facebook feed every day. (laughs) I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the Apostle Paul is setting up a contrast between these two things, the act or the fruit of the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit. And he's saying that if you continue to live by the flesh, if you continue to indulge the flesh, if you continue to live by the sinful nature, which, by the way, has been crucified with Christ and buried, then your life is not going to yield what it is that you're looking for. But the fruit of the Spirit is all of these other things. And I want to skip to verse 7 in chapter 6. And Paul writes do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The man who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. She's giving an amen. I love it. So we see these two kingdoms at work, the kingdom of the flesh and the kingdom of the spirit. And each one of these kingdoms produces both fruit and seed. Because where does seed come from? Seed comes from the fruit. When you produce fruit, you are also producing seed. The fruit of your life will also produce the ability to replicate, the ability to multiply what it currently is. It has the ability to multiply that. Each kingdom produces this. So we all have seed to sow. So whatever my focus and whatever my decisions are, are always sowing seed into one of these two kingdoms. And I've got a choice with the seed that I have. I have a choice as to which kingdom I want to sow that into. And according to this, a life that's consumed with satisfying my flesh, that's satisfying the things that Clayton wants to do and the things that Clayton's like, and a life that is consumed with personal preference over Holy Spirit conviction a life that looks this way will reap destruction now it'll reap destruction because my flesh will eventually be destroyed we all all of our flesh dies at some point so the reason we'll reap destruction is because we're sowing into something that simply won't last but a life that pleases the spirit will reap eternal life do you see these two kingdoms These two kingdoms exist in our world and it exists within us. This kingdom of the flesh and this kingdom of the spirit. They're always in contrast to each other. My flesh does not want to do what my spirit wants to do and my spirit wants to do different to my flesh. There are two kingdoms. But then he goes on to say, and I just read this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Do you know how God is mocked? God is mocked when we sow physical seeds but expect a spiritual result. I can't keep sowing into my kingdom of the flesh and expect to reap from the kingdom of the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. Wherever I sow, that's where I'll reap. And we mock God, not because we don't give. This isn't a verse about giving. This is a verse about sowing into one kingdom or the other. And if I'm continually living a life that just desires to seek comfort, that desires to seek familiarity, that desires to seek the things my flesh likes, I will never reap a harvest from a spiritual kingdom. But if I sow into the spiritual kingdom, then I'll reap things that have eternal effect. I don't want to spend my life creating a comfortable environment for my flesh. I do want to spend my life... Creating a comfortable environment for the spirit. And those are two very different things. They are things that I look at in the flesh, and I'm like, I do not want to do that." And my spirit goes, "But I do. But that's exactly where I want to be. The moment when we stepped out to launch what eventually now is kind of become seashore church, my flesh was like, "Are you insane?" Friends were saying, are you insane? But my spirit is going, yes, yes, this is what I want from you. There's moments when I know God's called me to pray. When my spirit, I'm hearing this, and this is what it sounds like to me. You ever know when somebody tries to get your attention, they're like, hey, psst, psst. You ever heard that? Psst. I've heard that from the Holy Spirit. When he goes, psst, and I'm like, God, I've got a I've got run. It's on my schedule. I've got a five-mile run I'm supposed to do. Or he's like, psst. It's like, but I'm watching this show on TV. And he's like, psst, psst. I'm like, yeah, but I got an appointment with three other people. But the Holy Spirit's going, psst. And I know that if my life is consumed with the flesh, I'll miss those subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. But when I respond to them and I say yes to God, I begin to build my spiritual kingdom and his spiritual kingdom. I can't expect to grow spiritually if I'm only living to please my flesh. I can't. In other words, when you go to church, because it makes you feel like you did something. As if God's going, well done, my good and faithful servant. You got up, got the kids dressed, and came to church. Tick the box. Do you know that when I'm doing that, I'm still sowing into my flesh? Even though I came to church. If I'm giving financially to God, but I'm doing it because it makes me feel good, I'm glad it makes you feel good, but you're still sowing into your flesh and it's hard to reap it's actually impossible to reap a spiritual fruit from a physical seed does that make sense you see god's blessing often comes to us in seed form we think the blessing is the you know opening up the floodgates of heaven that's true but sometimes you open up the floodgates of heaven and he goes oh you want joy here's a joy seed <laughs> you want peace here's a peace seed because the bible says my peace I give differently to the way the world does. Jesus said that you want my peace, not the world's. The world goes, you need this for peace. And God goes, no, here's a seed. Now, if you want to sow that seed into the kingdom, if you want to sow that spiritual seed of joy, then you're going to reap a harvest of that. But often we're looking for the promise, the fulfillment. We're looking, we're looking to hit the number as if Jesus is the lottery, But he'll give it to us in seed form. But if you know that that seed has the potential of a huge harvest. Jesus said that if you just have the faith of a mustard seed. Because the mustard seed is the smallest seed but becomes the largest plant in the whole garden. Sometimes his blessing to us comes in seed form. But if we're faithful in the little, then we are faithful in the much. What does a joy seed looks like? He'll give you the smallest possible thing to be joyful over. The smallest thing. Like you want the new car and you're like, Lord, thank you my car got from point A to point B today. Thank you. I choose joy over the car that I have now. When you choose joy over the smallest things then he knows that he can trust you with more. That's a joy seed. If you want to see joy happen more in your life, choose joy over the things that you currently have. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food. He'll give you the seed that you need. The funny thing about the kingdom is that you can actually begin to reap from what someone else has sown for a while. Think about it. If, if I go and plant an apple tree, it's my tree from my seed, and it bears fruit, there's enough fruit for everybody in this room to have, and you can all benefit from that. But at some point, that tree is going to run out of fruit. And for you to continue to eat yummy, delicious apples, you've got to take the fruit that you got, take the seed in that fruit, and go plant your own apple tree. I know that my life, <laughs> I haven't shared my testimony on Friday night but I promise you, much of this life is the result of a praying mom and dad. You see, I lived off their fruit for a long time. But I knew that at some point, I got to plant my own seed based on the fruit that they produced. Because at some point, they planted seed, a seed of faith that grew to become a family. A tree would bore great fruit. And just by being their son, I got to eat of that fruit. But when you're 18, you move out of the house, suddenly you realize, man, I want some of that fruit for myself and you can always come home. But the way for me to produce fruit is to plant those seeds myself. If I just borrowed off mom and dad's faith all the time. And if I just chose to sow into my flesh, I'm going to go out and live my life and party it up. But my parents are Christians and I'll come home and have them pray over me. And I guess I'll have that hedge of protection. Any parents play that? Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around my kids. And I always thought that was to protect me from stuff. And mom goes, well, it kind of did, but it was more to keep you away from other things. And I'm like, ooh, I didn't know that. But I am grateful for those prayers. I knew that I lived off their fruit, but at some point I've got to plant seed to see my own harvest come. And I know that in a revival culture like this, you can come into this. And you can benefit out of the fruit. There is so much abundant spiritual fruit in this place, and you can live off of it for a long time. But at some point, you got to plant your own seed. You have to make a decision to not just benefit from the faith in the room, but to show a measure of faith yourself, to plant a seed of faith, to choose faith when your flesh wants to make you figure it out on your own. At some point, you've got to plant that seed of joy, of choosing joy in the marriage that you have. Instead of looking around going, when are you going to fix this, God? When are you going to give me somebody else? Choosing joy in the midst of what you have. At some point, you got to plant your own seed. We want continuous revival but continuous revival happens when I no longer just live off the fruit of others, but I'm sowing seeds myself that please the Spirit of God within me. So these two kingdoms are at war with each other. Kingdom of the flesh, kingdom of the Spirit. I'm sowing that which pleases the Spirit of God in me. When I get the amen of heaven resounding in my heart, and I'm no longer seeking the amen of, of people, or the amen of the flesh, but I'm seeking the amen of heaven. The Bible tells us to seek the praises that come from God. Did you know that we can be praised by God? If we're seeking the praises that come from God, that that means God, through his Holy Spirit in us, is going, yes. That's the praise that comes from God. Well done. And that's the voice that I want to hear more than anything else. I love that people can come into this revival community and instantly are just like, thank God for my church family. Thank God for this freedom in Christ. And for a while, they're feeding off the fruit. And that's what the fruit's for. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been mooching off this. I've mooched off of this. I benefit from the same fruit. The fruit that you bear, I benefit from. That's the kingdom of God. But I also have to remember my life is not just about eating fruit. It's also about sowing seeds to make sure that I'm and I'll talk to you about what those seeds are in a little bit. But we've always got that choice whether to sow seeds to our flesh or to our spirit. Let let me talk about these seeds of the flesh. And I, I told you how the seeds of the flesh are my my sinful state, the part that's in opposition to the spirit. And probably the best thing to know about your flesh and your sinful state is that it's dead. That's probably the best thing you can know because the Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. So every Saturday night when we've been doing baptisms, it's a demonstration that we were crucified with Christ. Going under the water means our old man, our sinful state is dead. But yet there's something about us that always wants to keep living according to the flesh, even though that flesh is dead. But how do I sow seeds of the flesh? It's by indulging it, okay? So these lists that he's talking about here, about the obvious ones, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, you got to understand, that's fruit, that's not seed. So jealousy, one of these things that he listed here, jealousy is a fruit, it's not a seed. The seeds of jealousy is focusing on what somebody else has instead of what you have. No one wakes up jealous overnight. But you start to become jealous because you have been sowing those seeds. Sexual immorality, that's the fruit. But looking at the wrong stuff on the internet or movies or just taking that extra look, those are the seeds that led to the immorality. He talks about discord. Discord in a marriage is the fruit. Walking out on an argument is the seed. I remember somebody told me this, that every time you walk out of an argument, I'm fed up. In other words, I'm not winning. I'm fed up and they walk out. You sow the seeds of divorce. That struck me to where I'm like, I refuse to walk out sometimes and I'm just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resolve this and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray until my wife sees that I'm right and then finally I'll sow <laughs> seeds in the kingdom. Doesn't work out very well. But you don't end up in discord overnight. And I'll be honest, as a pastor, I get a lot of calls um, throughout the time I've been pastoring. And it's midnight. My marriage is falling apart. I need to meet right now. Occasionally, I'll be like, come on, we'll meet right now. But most of the time, I think I'll meet you at the office at 9 o'clock in the morning because you've been sowing seeds of this for years. And I can't fix this at midnight. In fact i can't fix this at all but i can help put some more seeds in your hand that you can begin to sow to start reaping a spiritual fruit do you hear what i'm saying it doesn't mean i won't meet with people but i understand the principle of sowing and reaping witchcraft witchcraft do people still do witchcraft it's it's called manipulation Does that work better if I use that word instead? Manipulation. That's the fruit. How do you get to the place where you're constantly manipulating others? Well, I think the seeds of that, for me, is looking at the wrong scoreboard. You see, if I have put on my scoreboard this many people in church, this much money in church, this much social media followers, this many YouTube views, if that's my scoreboard, but it's not actually God's scoreboard for me, then I will manipulate people to make sure that I'm winning. And I'll spend all this time telling you that you need to go to our YouTube channel, Seashore Church YouTube channel. Um, comes up every Tuesday morning. I'll be making sure that I'm like, whatever you do, go to this and like our page and do this. and You've got to do that because that's what's on my scoreboard. And I'll begin to manipulate you. Well, listen, are you a part of this church or not? Well, when's the last time you liked something we posted on Facebook? When's the la- if, if money is our scoreboard, then I'm going to sit here constantly compelling you to give, 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 give. And I'll manipulate you. And it's not that I necessarily intended to do it, but it happened because I sowed the seeds of witchcraft when I looked at the wrong thing as the measurement to see whether I'm winning or not. Our scoreboard here is did God show up and did we do what he said? That's it. And as if he didn't say it, we ain't doing it. And if he did say it, we better do it. But that's how you end up sowing those seeds. Saul, in the Old Testament, King Saul was a prime example of this. Because he had sort of lost the anointing, he always tried to run ahead of God. He ended up consulting witches to find out what God wanted. Well, how did that happen? It happened when he started to sow little seeds of looking at the wrong thing, of not being sure God was going to show up when he said he was going to show up. And in the end, he ends up stepping into witchcraft. It doesn't happen overnight. My life will take me towards my most predominant thought. And my thoughts also sow seeds. My thoughts sow seeds. I often think about this. How much headspace do I give to what other people think about me? How much headspace, how much thinking do I give to what other people think of me? Do I give it a lot? If someone doesn't like me, am I really bothered by that? Some people don't like me because I did something wrong. And yes, I should make amends. Some people don't like me because they just don't like me. This is going to shock you. Some people won't like you either. They won't. But you got to be okay with that. Because the goal is not to have people like you. The goal is to sow seeds into the kingdom. The goal is to let everybody know that they are sons and daughters of the king who may or may not have been adopted yet, but that God loves them and he sent his son for them and he wants them in his family. Not to like me. If somebody likes me and goes to hell, I've failed. But if somebody really doesn't like me, but has come to a revelation that God loves them, I win. We'll be friends in heaven. We may not be friends here, but we'll be friends in heaven, and I'm okay with that. I'm not purposefully setting out to offend people. I do want you to like me. I'm human. But if you don't, I'm actually okay with that. Does that make sense? Why do I feel this way? That's a question I hear a lot. But why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling this way? Sometimes the way you feel is because of the seeds that you've been sowing. There's other stuff. There's there's attacks of the enemy. There's moments of oppression. I get that. And we battle that differently. But I want to make sure that I'm sowing seeds that produce the fruit that I want to see in my life. So let's talk about these spiritual seeds. This is easy. A life of faith. Like just choosing faith, choosing it, is a spiritual seed. And he tells us it will reap eternal life. Choosing faith. I choose to live a life of faith. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual seed. That when God says, psst, you're saying, yes, your Lord, your servant is listening. I'm listening. I don't ignore the subtle promptings of the holy spirit when i reach out to grab something that is not meant for me and i hear that i'm like oh my gosh thank you thank you holy spirit not ah when when i'm (laughs) actually it's more like but i want to post a reply and the holy spirit's going eh. hang on i'm not done (laughs) (laughs) "Eh." hang on this is going to be good They deserve this. And and he's like, eh. And then after a while, the more I keep typing out, I stop hearing the, eh. Because he actually lets you do it. But we mock God when we sow a physical seed but expect a spiritual result. Well, God, how come I don't have any joy in my life? Can we go through your feed? Can we go through all of the replies that you've had to people? And I'm just using Facebook, but you understand it could be in any relationship. What seeds have you been sowing? Because that's the fruit that you've been reaping. Every time I obey God, I sow a spiritual seed that will have eternal effect. Probably the most common phrase I've used in pastoring people in the last three years is what? When they ask me a question. What has the Holy Spirit said? See, they know. What has the Holy Spirit said? Why? Because I want you to obey him, not me. And I might get a word of knowledge about what the Holy Spirit said, but I may not. And I want you to hear and obey for yourself. Because when you, every time you obey God, even about the smallest things you reap a spiritual fruit. (laughs) Mike was telling me, I hope you don't mind me sharing, Mike. Um, He came in today, and he didn't know what I was talking about. And he goes, he's sharing all these great stories. He's all excited. He goes, man, I've been having this massive back pain. He was out doing work, and um, like most of us in our COVID projects, we take on more than we think we can take. And so we come out with little niggling injuries. And he goes, my back has really been bothering me. And he said, but we, uh, we recently sold two of our cars because we were hoping to get another one and one of the cars he sold he said i just felt the holy spirit tell me i was supposed to give the money from that car to my in-laws and so i took that money that we sold the car for and i just gave it all to my in-laws and i just felt great because i had obeyed god i don't know why god told me that but as soon as i did i came home and realized that my back was healed his back is totally healed is totally fixed from that how great is that? And he goes, I could have pocketed 200 bucks of that and given them the rest of it. And I'm like, let me introduce you to Ananias and Sapphira. She <laughs> probably don't want to go down that route. That's a story for another day. But do you know why he's healed? It ain't because he gave money. He's healed because he heard and he obeyed. That's why. It's not the gift that provides for the healing and the blessing. Because remember, I can give, but still be giving and sowing into my flesh. But it's the obedience to what the Holy Spirit has told him to do that led to that healing. A life of simple but consistent obedience will bring the blessing of God, and it sows a spiritual seed that will have an eternal effect. When it comes to money, I know this scripture gets used a lot for money. But how we use money is a great reflection of which kingdom we're building. And if all of my money is going to please my own flesh, but never actually being sown into the kingdom, I know that destruction will come. Because I'm buying things that ain't going to make it to heaven. But if my money is used for a kingdom purpose, the Bible describes that as looking after widows and orphans and giving to God, I know they'll have an eternal effect but simply giving to church, giving to the homeless person, giving to your in-laws, giving to someone who's in need. I just want to encourage you that God cares much more about why you give than you could ever possibly imagine. It's not about what you give. It's about the why. It is very important to Him because He wants to make sure that what you give is a seed sown into the spiritual kingdom, not to the kingdom of the flesh. So this scripture that I read, In verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. Do you know how you become weary in doing good? Anybody ever been weary in doing good? I have. It's because you've sown into the wrong kingdom. It's because you've been sowing into a physical kingdom but expecting a spiritual result. It's when you're looking through the breakthrough in your business. But God, I've been tithing, I've been giving, I've been going to church. So why aren't you blessing my business? Well, if the blessing of the business was the reason... You've sown into the wrong kingdom. Well done for the seed, but wrong kingdom. Somebody will reap a harvest from that, but you may not reap that spiritual harvest. But if you've been doing all of those things because you heard God and you obeyed God, then you'll begin to reap that spiritual harvest. Does that make sense? And I'm going to end with this. There were these people in the Bible called... Zealots. You ever heard that word, zealot, in biblical times? There were basically four different sects of the Jewish culture, and, and and you know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The zealots were kind of the fourth one of these different Jewish sects, um, S-E-C-T-S, for all of you on YouTube. Um, and so Who the zealots were, you understand that in Jesus' time, all of Israel was under Roman occupation. The zealots wanted to establish God's kingdom, but by force. They wanted to have a physical taking back of Israel like happened under Joshua when Joshua took possession of the land. And so often these zealots would hide in the caves and they'd come down and do these raids at night on the Roman garrisons. And some of them were pretty successful because it was the same time that Rome was starting to slip in its power a little bit they were having some internal problems and that's who these zealots were in fact one of the disciples a guy named simon the zealot he was he was of that particular uh, part of judaism but they wanted to force the kingdom of god through violence they wanted to make it happen one of these is a guy named theodos right and gamaliel references theodos in acts chapter five i don't want to get you too involved in details But I want you to understand who these zealots are, okay? When the apostles are stirring up all kinds of trouble in the book of Acts, because all they're doing is preaching Jesus, seeing people healed and delivered. That's it. Preaching Jesus, converting people, seeing them healed, seeing them delivered. That's the kingdom they're building. And they were causing such an uproar in the city that all of the Jewish elders brought them in. And they're like, we got to stop this. We got to do something about this. And then Gamaliel, one of the people that were a part of the Sanhedrin, stood up and was like, hey, I've got a better idea. And he references this guy, Theodos. And he says in Acts chapter 5, verse 38, therefore, in this presence case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. And he reminds the Sanhedrin of this guy, Theodos. What Theodos did is he gathered about 400 people and he comes to the Jordan River and he is going to be the next Joshua. He actually convinces all of them that when we get to the Jordan River, God's going to show up again and it's going to part of the Jordan, just like he did before, we're going to march over and we're going to physically take our nation back from the Romans. That's what we're going to do. And so he gathers all these people at the Jordan. And I hate to tell you, the Jordan didn't do it. He gets picked up. He gets killed. His idea of establishing the kingdom was to take it by physical force. He understood that there is a kingdom that's meant to be here. We are inheritors of the promise. This is our land. We're supposed to do it. And so I have an idea. My idea is I'm going to gather all these people, convince them of it, and bring them down the Jordan River because this is how we're going to do it. I've got a vision. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. And we're going to go. The problem is God never told Theodos to do this. But he convinced everybody else this was God's plan, but this was his plan. That he thought, hey, God, I'm going to go do this. It would be really great if you showed up. And God's going, I never told you to do that. Why are you running ahead and trying to make something happen in the physical that I'm trying to establish in the spiritual Something else was happening in the Jordan River at around the same time. There was another person that showed up at the Jordan. Do you know what his name was? John. John the Baptist. And in the same place where Joshua had crossed over the Jordan to take hold of the promise, there's another kingdom that's being established in the Jordan. As people would come all the way out to this river to do what Jesus later referred to as a baptism of repentance. And in that very act, there's another kingdom that's being established. Here, one man, we're going to go take on the world for Jesus. And he's got everybody excited. And he's enthusiastic. He's charismatic. We're going to go. Come on, let's gather around. Romans are going to go. But yet he missed what God was trying to actually do. And this other guy in like camel's hair and eating locusts, not the kind of guy you want to follow, is saying, I want you to come to the same place, but I want you to understand that what Jesus is trying to establish is a spiritual kingdom. And just like in our own hearts, you have these two kingdoms clashing against each other in the same place. One of those kingdoms ended with the death of its leader. You probably never even heard that name Theodos before. One began with the death of its leader. Because Jesus shows up at that place in the Jordan and John realizes this is the one I've been telling you about. And of his kingdom... There will be no end. The seeds that came from that sacrifice of what Jesus did, they're in your hand. There is a kingdom that he is establishing. And he put the seeds in your hand. And he lets you sow it wherever you want. And you can sow it into the kingdom of the flesh. Or you can sow it into his kingdom. Those are the seeds of revival. And if I take the seeds that Jesus has provided to me. Through his sacrifice. The seeds that are full of promises. Full of life. All I have to do, every time I choose a life of faith, I sow into the kingdom. Every time I hear the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit, I'm sowing into His kingdom. Every time I lean into His presence, I lean into it. I'm leaning in that direction. I'm favoring that direction. I don't always get it right, but i am just got my face pressed up against His presence. And I'm not leaving this place. I don't have all the answers, but I'm not leaving the place of the presence. You sow seeds into the right kingdom. And every time I obey him, I'm sowing seeds that will reap eternal life. Can I pray for you as we close? Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this, or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.